Hi, and welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast. I am your host, Mike Handley. Episode 16, Making Movies and TV Shows with Storyboard and Concept Artist Rob McCollum. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a good couple of weeks. Just a few uh, quick updates before we jump into the show. A few episodes back, uh, for episode 13, I had uh, Joe Brown on, who's Bernoid on Twitter. And she's let me know that she's launching a new website that will be going live on December 2nd. And as part of that launch, she's going to have some of her pieces that she did as part of Inktober available. And uh, I just thought I'd let you folks know she does some wonderful work. And uh, she's a fantastic artist. And I would encourage you to check out the site. By the time you're hearing this, the site will be live. And uh, the URL is uh, Bernoid, B E R. NOID.com. So I did uh, spend a little bit more time with Procreate 5, and I'll have a more in depth uh, kind of review, I think, in episode 17. Uh, my guest this week and I, we do talk about Procreate 5 a little bit, but I'm going to uh, defer kind of any in depth review until um, the next episode. I should have some time between now and then. I've been uh, occupied with other things and haven't had a chance to really go through uh, Procreate 5 as I should, and so I do apologize, but I'm going to get back to that and uh, provide kind of my feedback on that as well. I've also ordered a, um, I should say I ordered a few uh, months ago, a screen protector for my uh, iPad Pro 12.9, and I will, uh, I'm expecting that, I hope, to get it maybe next week. So that is the first week of December as you're listening to this. I'm hopeful that uh, I'll have a chance to be able to talk about that as well in the next episode, 17. So one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about, I I go to this uh, local meetup, artist meetup, and one of the suggestions for the next meetup is something called Artists Trading Cards. And I just thought I'd mention this because the organizer of the event has been really good in trying to uh, pull everyone together and spend a couple hours on a Sunday uh, painting or drawing. So we've done some plein air stuff and uh, some some of this in a, a coffee house as well. And so I thought this was a really great idea. So I, I googled it, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. I would recommend checking it out. It's a really kind of neat idea. You basically create what is the equivalent size of a hockey card at an event, and then you trade them with others. And I thought this was a cool idea. I don't know how it actually works, and whether you make like multiple copies or... But I think this concept of being able to create these little cards with whatever materials you choose, whether it's ink or watercolor or whatever the case, uh, oil probably wouldn't work so well. But uh, this idea of creating these trading cards at a a local artist meetup is kind of a cool idea. So I'm going to include it in the show notes. I will uh, fully be able to get to this event and do this. And uh, then I'll uh, provide some uh, kind of feedback on how it went. So I just wanted to put it in there. I thought it was a really cool idea. So the other thing I've been doing since I had uh, Tiff Arment on the show is uh, We Draw Wednesdays. So I've done uh, two of them, and I really like it. I think the idea of, of drawing midweek and uh, you know having this kind of schedule and these prompts from people it has been fun. The first one I did was Iguana, and uh, this past week I did uh, Grizzly Bear. What was interesting about Grizzly Bear is I had the suggestion two weeks in a row and I felt I really had to do it because two different people provided the same <laughs> the same prompt. So I did do a grizzly bear. Uh, I spent a little bit more time on it uh, than I had planned, but I was really enjoying drawing the fur. So I wanted to highlight the grizzly bear because I think sometimes when we draw, we tend not to we tend to disassociate with the object that we're drawing. 
and we're focused more on the little tiny elements. What I found with the grizzly bear is that the reference photo I had, you could see that there was some some moisture in the fern. You could see that there was some weight associated with that. And I, I really kind of enjoyed drawing that. It may seem kind of odd, but being able to 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 see that texture and think about how how do you draw heavy fur versus something that's a bit lighter. And we do this often, we deal with birds and the different types of feathers they have. Um, and the same thing is true with, with fur and, and different types of fur, depending on, you know, if you've got a dog, they've got that really short stuff on their, on their muzzle and they've got the much longer hair typically on the rest of their body. But in dealing with a bear, it was just, I was captivated when I got to that point and I was drawing the under, the undercarriage of the bear and, uh, uh the fur was wet. I was thinking, I've got to come back to this. So I am planning on doing a larger bear. I'm not sure if it's going to be the same kind of uh, orientation, but I'm going to do another bear with wet fur because I, I really want to explore that a little bit. And uh, I, I'm, I'm captivated by that idea of being able to show not just the different, because bears have short fur on their muzzles as well, but being able to show dry and wet um, and to draw that with graphite. So I think I'm going to take that on as uh, something I'm going to work on in the next uh, little while. So the other thing, so I did uh, also draw a green heron. That wasn't part of We Draw Wednesdays, but I did one in graphite. Once again, just, I, I don't know, you get into a thing, right? And you're drawing, you know, bears or you're drawing birds. So I've done quite a few birds. I think there's two or three more that I have in my lineup that I'm going to do. And I'm just really enjoying this kind of getting back into graphite. I'm going to be venturing in back into ink and urban sketching as well as digital. But, uh, you know, you kind of get a lineup in your head of two or three things you're going to draw. And so that's where I'm at. The green heron was fun. Didn't spend a whole lot of time on it because it's a fairly simple drawing, but I'm really glad I did that. I'll, I'll include, once again, links to all of these in the show notes. And I don't know about you, but I've been really enjoying watching uh, The Mandalorian on Disney+. And um, as of this recording, we've had four episodes now. And, uh, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything and saying that there's a baby Yoda type species. And so I did a drawing of baby Yoda in kind of four different poses. And uh, I don't think I've done fan art since uh, Tom and Jerry. And I've spoken about Tom and Jerry before, but I tend, I, I don't know, I'm just not compelled to do fan art, but man, I just had to do baby Yoda. <laughs> and so it was fun to kind of explore that a bit. I think I'm going to Maybe do some other bits around this as well. Um, somebody was uh, commenting about I should do the the Mandalorian ship, and maybe I'll try something like that. That could be kind of fun. I may do that one digitally, but we'll see. Uh, so this idea of doing fan art, I think, is uh, is interesting. Try, trying to explore this, maybe put uh, Yoda or the Mandalorian or the ship into a different scenario. Um, it may be good exercise for me in trying to explore things a bit differently. So... Anyways, I'll, uh, once again, I'll include a link to that, but that was just done in graphite. I've been a fan of this Pentel GraphGear 1000, so I'm continuing to use that. I've actually got three pencils, each loaded with uh, 2B, HB, and um, 2H, so I don't have to kind of switch leads. And I use all three. Um, I've been using the Statler a little bit, but mostly these GraphGear 1000, because the drawings are in a, such a small book that I'm able to get quite detailed, and I don't really need a massive amount of lead to be able to uh, to show the work I'm doing, so I've been focused kind of on those uh, on those GraphGear 1000s and really enjoying them. So one thing I want to comment on is um, I think that you know with the holidays coming up, there's the, there's some people that are going to find this t 
time of year difficult. And uh, what I'm encouraging you to do is if you do have the capability to draw uh, or paint or do something creative, do it for somebody and, you know, do it for somebody who doesn't expect it. And it could be something simple and you have, it doesn't have to be big, right? It could be a simple drawing, but I think people would really appreciate that kind of thing. So I think that if you can do it for somebody you know, who you think is going through a difficult time, or do it for a random person, just give them something nice. Uh, I think being able to use what we can do creatively to, um, to you know, turn that kind of day around for people or, or you know, maybe have a, an impact at this time of year, uh, because it's it can be challenging for some. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot we can do in supporting others, um, you know, the people that are, that are homeless and, and so on and so forth. I think at the very minimum, if you can just do something creatively over the holidays, um, I, I, it would be good to do that. I'm going to try and do something. I may talk about it in the next episode and uh, just around kind of this idea of, of doing uh, some good for others. You know, it's always fun beyond the creative bit is to surprise people, right? If you're if you're buying Starbucks and you're in a drive through line, you know, pay for your own, but maybe pay for the car behind you and see if they'll pay it forward. I mean, doing things like that and surprising people at what is a challenging time of year and a very stressful time of year, just keep in mind that you really can make a difference uh, with the stuff that you put down on paper or digitally or on canvas. And, um, you know, just downsize it a bit. It doesn't have to be large. And just think about drawing something special and uh, include a note on it if you choose to, or maybe not, just something that somebody can hang in their office. I would, um, I think it'd be cool to do that. So I'm going to try and do a little bit of that myself, and I hope you do the same. So the other thing I'll mention is that I'm not sure if I'm going to do a show number 18, which would happen somewhere between uh, Christmas and New Year's Eve. So between uh, December 25th and January 1st. I haven't decided yet. I think I probably will not. So that means I won't be doing a show until January. I will confirm that uh, in the next episode 17. There will be an episode 17 in, uh, in the middle of uh, December. So I will let you know then if I'm going to be doing a show 18. Um, I want to try and keep the schedule up, but I think uh, maybe taking a break uh, during the um, during that break that I have from work, my real job, <laughs> um, that maybe taking a full break would be uh, would be helpful. So uh, I will confirm that in the next episode whether there'll be a show 18 in 2019 or it will be in 2020. So that's it for the updates. Uh, stay tuned for my conversation with Rob McCollum. We had a lot of fun talking, and uh, there's a lot of show notes around this one, so please check them out uh, through the website and um, enjoy the interview. Thanks. My guest this week and I first connected around the iPad Pro event in the fall of 2018. He had early access to the new iPad Pro and was sharing his work online daily. His work and the speed at which he produces otherworldly imagery was not something I had seen before, and I was immediately intrigued. It turns out, though, that I had seen a lot of his work before because as a storyboard and concept artist, he has worked on movies and TV shows like It, Pacific Rim, Star Trek Discovery, Mandy, Ghost in the Shell, Luke Cage, Total Recall, and so many more. Welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast, Rob McCollum. How are you, Rob? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I mean, we've had, I've had so many guests on talking about their drawing and their painting, and I've not... Um, spoken to someone like you before <laughs> that <laughs> works in this kind of specific uh, area of art. And so I wanted to explore that a little bit because, I, I, to be honest, I really don't know much about this. So uh, 
I thank you for coming on and being able to kind of share your experiences and some of the work you've done and maybe something that uh, some of the artists uh, listening to the show can uh, can make use of in what they do. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, when I look at IMDb and, and your CV and everything online, it seems like you've been doing this for a little while. <laughs> I, I have, yeah. It's actually scary to me to look back and see, because it's, it's, it's a bit of a blur, to be, <laughs> to be honest, because you got to work so quickly a lot of the time. And the, the weird thing is that I kind of track life events from what film I was working on or what TV show I was working on. <laughs> Um, so it's like, okay, what happened back then, right? My son was born. Okay, right, I was doing this and this had just happened, right? Okay, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way for me to remember things, I suppose. <laughs> so what's your, like, what is your earliest memory of drawing? Uh, has art always been part of your life? Did you always draw? Um, yeah, yeah, it can. I'd, I'd, as far back as I can remember, um, this, this sounds like the beginning of the good fellas, as far back as I remember, <laughs> I always wanted to be an artist. <laughs> I, uh, I I used to sit and draw all the time when I was a kid, and I used to films were actually a big inspiration to me, and it was the the, the storytelling and the the imagination involved, and I would often sit and I would I would get a big bit of paper. My my dad was a teacher and the art teacher at his school, who's retired now, so this isn't going to get him into trouble. They used to give my dad these big um, sheets of newsprint for me to draw on and I would just like unroll a great big bit of it and then I would just start drawing on one side of the paper and then just keep on going and then by the time I was finished there was an entire story it was almost like playing with action figures which you know but but drawing them you know mm-hmm. um so like you know we'd have stuff like you know robots attacking people and then I would start drawing that and there'd be a story happening at one bit of the page and a story happening at another bit and if you if you looked or if I look I don't know if anyone else would get it but when I looked at it I could uh, I could tell the stories that were going on there so I was always kind of telling stories I suppose what specific movies do you remember uh, motivating you or was it was it comics I I am of the age where Star Wars was a big deal when it first came out okay. so I saw it when I was quite young and it just blew me away it absolutely blew me away before that um. It's probably you know, it's probably about the same time. Star Wars is the first movie that I can remember that actually just sparked this all off. As as with a lot of people my age, I would imagine. Um, and then Ray Harryhausen movies as well. Okay. Like um, I don't, I don't <laughs> think you know. Th- I think uh, Sinbad and Eye of the Tiger had just kind of come out around that time as well. Okay. And uh, that made and then my. Uh, I, I, my, my grandfather was a policeman, and they used to have like cinema mornings up at the in the police club in Greenock, where I'm from. And they would they would show like old um, Ray Harryhausen movies. It was great <laughs> for free. You used to go along a Saturday morning and just sit and watch them stuff like that. I mean, there was more than more than a few of the pages were either stormtroopers fighting rebels, <laughs> or. Uh, or people fighting skeletons all over the all over the place. Yeah, I mean know? the Sinbad movie was awesome, right? Like that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those those things that came out of the fire at the beginning were terrifying to me, but I loved yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, I remember going like I was, I think, ten when Star Wars came out. I remember we saw it in a drive-in, and I felt like the world changed. <laughs> it felt like everything was different now. Yeah, it was. I, mean, I, I saw it in an old uh, an old movie, like an old classic movie theater in Greenock, and uh, called the Gaunt. 
And it was an old marble place, and you go in, and there was like a commissioner there, and who, in my mind, was replaced by Peter Cushing almost as soon as I saw him because he was wearing the same sort of uniform. <laughs> so, so Peter Cushing was a commissioner, and uh, no, I got I got my that they were selling Star Wars toys behind the counter and stuff. It was such a huge deal mm-hmm. as far as as far as forming my my imagination went. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's had an impact on so many people, and it still does, right? Like with with the Mandalorian yeah. and and the movie coming out soon, uh, it's still yeah. inspiring others, it's right? Still, it's still battling on there. Yeah. So did you uh, did you end up going to art school? I did. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to Glasgow School of Art, um, the the famous George uh, A. Macintosh designed place, which is sadly burned down twice now. Wow. But um, yeah, I went I went there and. Uh, one of the, I think I think it was before I went to art school. Um, I, I I used to like drawing comics, and uh, I used to draw my own comics when I was like pretty young. I mean, actual sequential comic strips are probably awful and didn't make any sense, but I liked them. <laughs> and uh, then when I was around, let me see, when I was around, probably about fourteen or fifteen. I was sick, I was ill, or I was off school for about two or three months, and they couldn't find what was wrong with me, but it turned out that when I went to when I went to bed, I was five foot four, and when I got out of bed, I was six foot four. So <laughs> this huge, we think it was a big growth spot, but during that time, I got into reading comics. I used to read things like 2000 AD, and there's like Star-Lord and Warlord and... Um, Star Blazers were a great one. DC Thompson, the 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 Dundee publishing house, used to do these little commando books and stuff like that. But they did the science fiction one, Star Blazer, and there were these wee pocket sized ones. They were great, some you know, really really nice art and a lot of them. Um, but then I got back into two thousand AD when I was bedridden, and <laughs> and I started drawing my own stuff then. And then my mum, I used to, you know, I used to go to comic shop up in Glasgow and um, Aka Books, it was called, in the Virginia Galleries. My mum or dad saw this thing saying, "Do you want to do you like draw? You know, what do you want to learn how to draw comics properly?" And it was the the Mary Hill Art Centre run by uh, it was a course run by a guy called Graham Johnson. They took me up to that, and it was a long drive. It wasn't a it was about a forty five minute drive there. And uh, they they were very encouraging. They took me along to it, and I met a lot of people there. I met a lot of uh, people who who have all gone on to become, you know, known artists. So that that was kind of like an education as well, as well going to that thing. But at art school, the this was like the the early nineties. Um, they they just there was no respect for comics. I have to say. Oh, really? There was maybe maybe one person there that actually kind of got how sort of worthwhile it might actually be. But um, when I was at art school, I almost did painting. I wanted to, to do fine art. I, I just get put off it by some of the, the, the lectures. Not that they told me not to do it, but I get put off by their outlook on things. And it was very... Um, they're very blinkered, strangely enough. At, the, at that time, they were pushing for a style for... Seemingly for a lot of the students, so I ended up doing uh, illust- uh, graphics, graphic design, because um, that allowed you to do. So there was a, a specific illustration department, but the graphic design one you can kind of do both, you know. Okay. And then um, I kind of started showing a wee bit of interest in animation, a wee bit, but more to do with uh, like kind of making more short films and stuff like that. 
And uh, there was a few of us, and they ended up creating a, a small department for us and a few people throughout the, the various years of the art school to make our own short films and use the, the, the art school's audiovisual equipment, which wasn't really getting used. And uh, I ended up using a, a Quantel paint box, which was a thing about this little length of about three dining tables or something with okay. a control box in the other room. And if you wanted to save something, you had to go back and you had to rewire the entire system in order to save something. Your plugs had to go in there. This had to go here and stuff like that. And I managed to make a couple of short animations where I was like, free. I wasn't even frame grabbing because you couldn't do that back then. It was uh, I used Field Advance, which was a, a way to just nudge a videotape along. <laughs> <laughs> a wee bit and then just take a photograph of that and stuff so I was able to do that and uh, and also I storyboarded my own films when you were going to school then like when you went to art school do you think you went with the intent of you know I'm, I'm drawing comics I'm illustrating I need a place to make me better at that um like you didn't no I was I, I, you know I always want I, I want I always wanted to make films okay to be honest I enjoyed comics and I think I got slightly um I, looking back at it, I get sidetracked into doing comics. Um, I because I, I I used to draw for uh, one of the one of the guys that I met at the Media Hell Art Centre, Padam um, Padam Singh. He told me that there was a comic starting up that was looking for artists. I was about seventeen, probably, and. Uh, I went along to this place to meet them and I did some, and it was basically an adult humour comic. At the time, Viz, I don't know if you get Viz over here, but Viz was really big in Britain um, and it was basically a kind of adult, but it's kind of stupid as well, and, and it was stupid in the best way. Um, it was like a version of the comics like Dandy and Beano and stuff like okay. that. Yeah. Um, but the characters were just so ridiculous and more adult and stuff like that. You know, there's, I'll, I, I can't. You know, this is a family podcast. I can't say half of the stuff. <laughs> but right. that that was big at the time. So there was a lot of other comics starting up, and there was one called Electric Soup that was starting up out a print shop um, in the, the east end of Glasgow. And I went along there and I ended up doing some stuff for them. And I got to uh, so my very first. It was actually actually God. Do I say this? It was nearly 30 years ago this month. <laughs> um, yeah, God, that's a horrible thought. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I are in the same boat here. <laughs> yeah, but there, I just try not to think about it. Yeah, But often I'm reminded when I have to say things like that. <laughs> um, but I got to meet um, a friend, a guy who became very friendly with uh, Vincent, who went by the name of Frank Quitely. We all had different names, um, so that basically just so family and friends wouldn't get embarrassed <laughs> if we did stuff like this. Right. The electric soup was more, um, it was more kind of geared towards, it was almost like, almost more like an American underground comic from the 60s rather than a, a kind of Viz ripoff, which there was a lot of stuff out there doing that. And um, that, so that went along and there's a good few years, I can't quite remember how much, but then it was like a band, it was like a band breaking up at the end of it. It was kind of funny and there's still, you know, stories to be told there. Um, but then myself and Vincent went down to, just just through being a comics, we had signings and we used to go to comic conventions and you got to meet, you know, editors and people like that. And we both um, 
kind of wanted to, you know, we, we saw that as a way of maybe, you know, maybe making a living. You know, I was, I was still at art school when I was doing it, and then towards the end of art school, um, the pair of us, uh, we went down to London to a comic convention, and we'd done samples to give out to, to editors, and met a bunch of editors from DC and... 2000 AD and uh, we both came away with some work from it so that was that was quite nice um, Vincent as uh, he's, he's stayed in comics he's uh, he, he goes by the name Frank Quitely he's done like All-Star Superman X-Men Flex Mentalo um, Jupiter's Legacy uh, wow. which has been made, made into a TV series by uh, Netflix I guess. and uh, yeah it was it was uh, I did comics for a good few years. I worked for uh, my very first comics job. Like paid, like Electric Suit paid us a little bit. It's just enough to kind of keep us, you know, from being crazy poor. Um, but uh, my first proper comics job was uh, was Lobo, a uh, uh, graphic novel, bounty hunting for fun and profit. I did a chapter for that. And then I did stuff for Judge Dredd, I uh, saw for 2080 and Judge Dredd magazine. And... Uh, Stuff for Dark Horse Presents, and then a bit more stuff for Dark Horse, and then I got a job. Uh, Vince, Vincent phoned me up and he said that um, an editor called Rob Tokar had been in touch with him and asked if he could if he could work on this thing for um, this Marvel imprint. And Vincent was he was busy doing I think he was doing a Lobo or he was doing Batman or something, and he passed on my name, and it turned out that it was. Uh, and it was an imprint, it was Excelsior, which was going to be an imprint for Stan Lee to, to do, to create the world that Stan Lee created. Mm-hmm. So they asked me to do, um, they asked me to do some sample pages for them, and I did them, and sent them off, you know, because it was FedEx back then, you, there was there was no in, no real working internet back in those days, it was about 90, probably about 95, 96, maybe 95, and, uh, and I remember I was I was back at my folks' place for Christmas, and I got a call. I, I told them where it would be, and I got a call from from LA, from Stan Lee's office, and he absolutely loved what I did. It was it was lovely. It was brilliant because I was bracing myself for a well, thanks for trying sort of thing. But he goes, "No, Stan says your storytelling's great, your characters are great." Oh, that's... So I got the job doing that. So for two years, I worked on uh, creating. Um, this this character, this comic Omega, um, for for Stan Lee, um, that was written by Kurt Busiek, who'd just come off of doing Marvels, but so that was kind of thrilling. There was a wow. lot of great artists and writers involved in that, and for about two years, um, we worked on it and refined the character design, and I think I drew like maybe two two and a bit issues. By the time everything was actually approved to be drawn into the comic, there was a lot of work involved in it. And uh, and then we'd gone through, I think, two Christmases where Marvel went, was, was kind of going through financial troubles or something. Just the comic industry was starting to crash a wee bit because everyone there was there was spec buying comics in the hope that they would be worth something were realising that they weren't worth anything about a year later because you've got to wait like 70 years before before a lot of comics are worth anything. But we made it through and then we were told that that was it. That you know, it, was, it was on hold indefinitely, which was a shame because it was kind of heartbreaking because I poured a lot of effort into and, and, and work into drawing that. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it's it's never to be seen or never to be published anyway. Wow. Um, but then the next day I got a phone call saying, uh, have you ever drawn storyboards? Um, Hallmark are making some movies up at STV, um, Scottish Television, and uh, the director would like to meet you. And I went up and I got uh, my very first storyboarding job the next day. Wow. <laughs> that worked out well. Yeah, it worked out very well. It also helped basically. It was it was one of the nails in me wanting to do the nails in the coffin of me being bothered to do comics anymore. So was that the transition when you decided now I'm going to do uh, you know and now I'm a storyboard artist? I, I kind of want to leave the comics behind. Is was not, that the point? Yeah, you, you can you can't really work like that in Scotland because there's not a ton of storyboarding work, or there wasn't back then. Anyway. Okay, um, there wasn't a lot of storyboarding work back then. It was. Uh, Every now and then, you know, I worked, I worked on like, th- is it three? Three of the four Hallmark movies. Then I would, I would jump in between trying to either, either trying to make my own stuff or writing my own stuff. Had a very, very short period where I actually wrote comedy for a BBC show, <laughs> which was a bit, it was a bit weird. It was just right in there. But um, I would jump between doing some comics and then doing some, um, doing some storyboards for people and stuff like that now and again. But uh, the, the comics were the main bread and butter, really. And every experience that I had in comics after the Marvel thing just further bittered me, um, or made me more bitter against comics. Yeah, I mean, I hear this a lot from artists who uh, are starting out, especially, where you really have to learn to bend and not break, right? You've got to be able to... Oh, yeah, yeah. And, some, and sometimes it's hard because... Some of the some of the stuff that happens is just nightmarish, you know. <laughs> you know? Um, but you've got you know you just dust yourself off and get on with it and just swallow it down into those those memories that come back to you at four in the morning, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I saw a tweet from you earlier this week. I mean, basically to the point that if if you want to be good, be an artist. It there's no quote and there's no custom brush or app. You just have to. Get on and paint and draw. Yeah, and that's you just got to do it. You just have to do it. If you want to get better, there's no shortcut. I mean, I was in, uh, my daughter likes to, to draw, and she was in a bookshop, and we saw this book, How to Draw Faces. And I was like, mate, you own a face. You have a face. Just look at, you know, everyone has faces. You just need to sit and sit and draw one and learn how it works. The thing with drawing is, um, there's two ways that you can do it. You can you can copy stuff, or you can understand how it works. If you're like I am, really bad at copying photographs, especially of people. I'm just terrible at it. Mm-hmm. But if you can understand what makes that person's face work and how it's put together, and what makes that person's face that person's face and no one else's, then you can pretty much draw it all the time. That's kind of the trick I use when I'm doing storyboards. Like I'm never going to get like Mrs. Bang on ever, but if I can do enough to kind of make it look like, oh, okay, well, that's obviously that actor. It means you can identify people, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that this is how I work because I had to try out for. I actually had to do um, this this kind of movie. I'm not going to say what one it is, but I had to do a movie adaptation and I started off doing it and I think between me and the publisher we were just like, this isn't for me. (laughs) So we just agreed to not let me do it (laughs) because I was not enjoying it because you end up, you're you're slavishly copying photographs. I mean, the minute you start doing that, um, you're stuck to whatever photograph you can get of the actor. Right. Or the person. 
it's almost bordering on cartooning like in caricature because the thing is with cartooning and caricature you can tell the people that know how faces work anyway and you can tell the people that just draw a ball with some eyes on it you know because it's once you understand how something is put together and how something works then you can play with it or then you can go for the shortcut and use a shorthand to because all drawing is a shorthand anyway I'm not slagging off anyone in particular. Okay. I'm just talking about a type of drawing where you get people that go, oh my goodness, is that a, fo- you know, is that a drawing? That looks like a photograph. And you've got someone that's put so much time into copying a photograph of someone that it looks like a photograph. Well, congratulations, you've just wasted a chunk of your life because you had a photograph in the first place and now you've drawn something that looks like the same photograph. Why? Why bother doing it? You got me on a rant now. This is this really annoys me, and and not just not just me, but it's like you know, you cameras were invented for kind of for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to draw so slavishly to a photograph. That, yeah, I, I you know. think I would agree with that. Like I do a lot of realistic or hyper realism in mm-hmm. in what I draw. So I use you know graphite or digital, and you know. <laughs> Funny enough, I, I had one of my, I, I did a, what was it, a nuthatch I had drawn, and I used a reference photo of my own, but I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still a believer that, you know, when you're drawing animals, it's like, I, I don't like drawing people, I prefer drawing animals, but yeah, um, that you try to draw from the inside out, right, understanding the muscle structure and the skeletal structure and all mm-hmm. that, but I did this nuthatch and I posted it to the Procreate, um, you know, you, your profile, and uh, it was it was removed, it was banned, because people said it was a photograph. And <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Take that as a compliment. Yes. That is, that's nice. I, I would agree that um, I think if you're focused on replicating photos, you know, it, it could be considered. Um, I think it's good practice to do that. I, I think it can it, be, but if you've got to use that as, yeah, I mean, everyone has it's a stepping stone, it's a stepping stone for you understanding something, right. Or you've just become an organic photocopier, right? And and I and I, you know, I just did a little sketch a little, you know, earlier this week of a bear, and uh, that was a great experience because it was, you know, for me it wasn't so much about the whole bear; it was drawing heavy fur that has water in it, right? And and yeah, that yeah. was I was fixated on that. Now I want to do a larger one because I want to be able to focus on that element. And so I think, you know, for people who are looking for reference images, it, it's a good exercise, but. You're right. Like if you're just looking at trying to be a photocopier for that, you're not learning. If you're if you're understanding mm-hmm. the textures and how to lay them down and and be considerate of the muscle structure and and um, and you know the reflections and how the light falls across fur and things like that, then you're learning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So l- let's move into a storyboard artist, and maybe can you explain for though for the person listening who doesn't know what that is, can you explain? what a storyboard artist is and maybe because you've also you're also served the role as a concept artist maybe explain a storyboard artist and then explain the difference between the two uh okay a storyboard artist is, is ironically after me me bad mouthing comics it's almost like drawing a comic yeah basically what you do is you sit down with this the the script um and you, you know, give that a read work out what's what's happening 
try and work out what might be needed and what bits you would think would be storyboarded. Sometimes you're taken by surprise and it's not those bits at all. Then you you meet with the director. All directors have got, not all directors, but a lot of directors have got different ways of working. Some of them, they're into the bouncing ideas around. Other ones, they like to give you a short list or they've got an idea of what they want. Sometimes you'll just be told, you know, go away and generate some ideas for this. And then it gets put together later and they, you know, they pick their best. Um, other ones give you little doodles and stuff. Like There's a load of different ways of working on it. But basically, a storyboard artist draws out a sequence as it will be seen in the movie uh, or TV show. Uh, it's used to plan. Um, allow, it's used to allow other departments to plan exactly what they need to do to make that shot happen. Uh, it's allowed. It's, it's used to budget for VFX stuff. Every time you have a VFX shot, that costs money. Every time you cut to another one, that's that costs money. So sometimes you've got an idea of how many VFX shots you actually have budgeted, and then you've got to basically bring in the amount of shots and still tell the story within that budget, but all the time you're working for and with the director on it all. Um, and a concept artist, basically, there's a lot of design in there. It usually tends to be way more finished just to, to sell the idea. Some t- there's a kind of halfway point between concepts and storyboards called kind of keyframes. Okay. Uh, where you're basically, you're doing a really fancy storyboard that conveys the information of the shot over while making it look cool. Used, it's usually used to kind of justify a cost or, or use vis- you know, to show where visual effects would be used and stuff like that. So when you get a job to be a storyboard artist and, you, and you've read through the script, do you know at that time who the actors will be? So you're portraying them? And- sometimes, sometimes you don't. Um, sometimes, a few, once or twice I've had to go back and change people just because the actors looked so different from what I drew because you, you've just got to draw something you know, at a certain point when it's, when it's really, really early on a film. I mean, I've, I've, I've had jobs where there's been me and the director and the producer and that's it. Has it become easier to work now um, in this digital age in, in kind of just the interaction with you and the director? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do remote stuff all the time. I've done jobs where I've just never met the director. I've worked, I've worked for people all over the world. It really does depend on how comfortable the director is doing that. Some directors actually like to have you in the room and knocking ideas around and stuff like that, which you can still do over Skype and FaceTime and stuff like that. Okay. Is there a... Now, you've worked on a lot of movies. I, it, is it mm. fair to ask what your favourite experience has been or one of your um, more pleasant experiences? Would that be if... No, there's, a, there's been a lot. There's usually good stuff on every job, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I'm really, I'm really enjoying, and this is purely just because it's a job I'm on right now. I'm really right. enjoying Star Trek Discovery. There's a good bunch of people, but I've had, I've had good experiences in pretty much most of the jobs I've been on. Yeah, and I would say as a, as a, an audience member, I love Star Trek Discovery. So the work you're doing oh. on that is, uh, is significant. And I, I saw a tweet you said that there was, um, like, I guess on the set on the bridge, there is a, your name's on there somewhere. Is that right? No, on the 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 Enterprise. Yes, on, on the yes, a plaque it's, or it's, something. It's, or? A, it's a, there's a there's a plaque in the back of all the ships, and okay. uh, the Enterprise has got all the art department on it, which I oh. thought was kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that is cool. So, is there a movie that you would like to work on? Um, 
Oh, they see this is a this is a, this is a guaranteed route to disappointment. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say. Yeah, okay. there is, but I'm not going to say because that that'll mean it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> the movies you have worked on, uh, you know, there's a lot of science fiction. There's a lot of fantasy. Is that what you enjoy? Is that your? Um, um, it's the stuff that needs storyboards most. Okay. That, so um, I've also I've also worked on things like I worked on hairspray. Uh, with uh, Adam Shankman, I've worked on Hair Hairspray was good fun. Hairspray was a really good fun movie to work on because when you draw in a when you draw in a dance scene, it's exactly the same as drawing a fight scene. Huh. It's weird because you, you, you when when you when you like, when you're drawing, doing a, a, a say like a, a fight, a puncher up fight, or even a gunfight, or even a car chase, you work with the stunt guys and you you basically learn the choreography and. When you work, when you're doing a dance scene, you learn the choreography and you work out how best to frame it to tell the story. So that's good fun. Um, I've worked with um, I worked with Alexander Payne on uh, the film Downsizing. Alexander's amazing. I would never have thought that I would end up working for him as a storyboard artist, but I'm so glad that I did because he was just he was sort of learned so much from him. Yeah, we started watching. I haven't finished. I got about I think forty minutes left of that movie. I didn't realize yeah. till uh, I started preparing for this interview that you had to, you were a storyboard artist on it. And I oh yeah, yeah. I think it's a yeah. fantastic movie. <laughs> it's, it's as it I say, good it's fun. I've seen more of your work than I know. Oh yeah, no, that's that's the weird thing. I've got somebody that keeps saying, "Oh, have you seen that film?" Oh, actually, I worked on that film for like six months. So, yeah. <laughs> so by doing all the work on hairspray, are you a better dancer now? <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. I'm good. I'm good at, I'm good at watching people dance. Though. The, the amount. My, I remember my daughter was about two or three at the time, and she ended up learning "Can't Stop the Beat" um, from the film. And she was—I've got such great videos of her dancing to that. It was just because I had to play it all the time, right. and I had to watch all the dancers. I had these the CDs burned with the dancing on it, and I'm watching it. And so she um, I was working at home at the time, so she got to pick up a lot of that. But yeah, it's you know I, I love I I like science fiction movies are all I, I like films with good ideas in them. Basically, I, idea movies are, are the thing that get me. Be it you know like a, a spy movie or uh, science fiction or even a like horror. I've done a lot of horror as well. It's basically anything that might involve um, visual effects or creature effects. Like the thing I worked on the the thing prequel, and that, I, had, I had a blast on that. It was because the thing's one of the. It was that was one of my formative movies. Saw it far too young. Had nightmares for years. Um, <laughs> I think many of us saw too young. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely messed me up for a long time. But it's it's had a very very that's had a very prominent effect on us on a lot of my drawing the you know, twisted faces and stuff like that. But so yeah, getting that job is amazing. You're know, getting getting to be in a room with all the all the creatures when they were getting just you know finished and touched up and stuff. It was amazing. Had a, that was a very hard job though. That was really hard because you had to. Yeah, you had to, had to storyboard so much of that and then storyboard it so quickly, you know. And is there, like we talked just before we started recording, like th- this idea that you you put so much into, like uh, so much of yourself into the work that you do. And with that comes massive satisfaction and enjoyment. But it also, also must be heartbreaking sometimes when you put all this work into a concept or an idea and it doesn't work out as well, and it it must be yeah. challenging to work through those ups and downs. Well, yeah, you've got you've you've got to care. If you don't care, then it just it just becomes making marks on paper. 
ah, you, you've got you've got to try and get in. You've got to try and get into the director's head. I mean, the director's really enthusiastic. You get really enthusiastic about it. And then you're trying so hard to just, you're pouring your heart and soul into some of this stuff when you're doing it because, and yeah, yeah, you know, maybe I get too attached to stuff, but in order to be able to do it, you have, you, you've got to care about it. You have to want to either tell a good story or work out the best way to do certain bits and when it works and you see it on screen it's amazing and uh, I mean, I've, but also on the other hand I had, I had a job on a thing not long ago where I was basically God, it was a long time I was on it and the script kept changing and the script kept changing so I was like drawing and getting a wee bit further and then going back to the beginning and drawing and getting a wee bit further and going back to the beginning and changing it all again and it was that, that, that was a wee bit crushing because every time I redrew it I had to redraw it a wee bit quicker because we were even closer to the deadline so the first so you know you're drawing it kind of quickly to begin with but by the end of it you're just throwing shots down the most basic stuff possible and then the day after I delivered the two huge sequences that I did a new version of the script came out and everything had been cut everything was gone but I still get paid and I still did it so Um, but yeah, you, know, you just work. Th- it's disappointing, but you just work through it. You know? Now, the one thing I've noticed about you is that you do share a lot of your work and uh, yeah. through Instagram and Twitter and just um, the stuff not tied to. And it was so funny because I've had other artists on who do commission work, and mm-hmm. I find it so interesting that the stuff we see from you in Instagram and Twitter is not really what makes you money. Right, it's no that that's that's there's pretty much nothing on there. There's maybe one or two things on there, but that basically took more than about ten minutes. Because what what I post on there is usually just my winding down or warming up stuff. Because when you work in the film business and many other things like video games and stuff like that, you you sign an NDA, a non disclosure agreement, mm-hmm. which means, and apart from that, you don't own the work anyway. Yeah, so it's all. Um, it all belongs to the studio. Right. And uh, you can't really post a lot of stuff. That's the thing. You're not really allowed to. So, yeah. So, so, so what you see is basically, I'm sitting, I do, I do all my work on an iPad Pro these days. Um, I have done since they came out at the end of 2015, I think. And uh, that's entirely changed everything about how I work. And it's so much better now. It's so much easier. So previous to that, you, you were on a Cintiq, or uh, no? I I used to just draw by hand. Oh, okay. I, I used to use a Cintiq for uh, for concept art because well, I mean, sometimes I didn't. Sometimes it was just pencil and paper. Like when I design, did the designs for the the Nemesis from uh, Resident Evil Two, um, that's Resident Evil Apocalypse for the the, the, the movie people out there. Okay. Um, that was just that was just color pencil and paper. And uh, gradually, I started doing more and more stuff on on Photoshop. Um, but then the problem, see, the problem I always had with the Cintiq was they'd be really Wacom would be really really slow in updating their drivers. And then if you had something that was even a couple of years old, forget it. You know, it's not going to work. So you'll get the day that the the operating system updates itself, and then Wacom just sits around doing nothing for ages, and you're not able. You're you're you're, you're your tablet's not working properly, and then you've got to you know lug it all around with you and stuff like that. Um, but for storyboards, um, it was pretty much. I mean, I, I used to go in and augment them. Like my Pacific Rim boards were were quite finished, really, because they were used 
to tell ILM what the what the what the shots were. Usually it would be prevised, but we used to do boardomatics on that, which is basically you draw the storyboards and then the storyboards would be edited um, to represent the sequence, and then the VFX would be done to match that. So mm-hmm. they were very very close to what you ended up seeing on t- on the the movie. Um, but drawing storyboards with pencil and paper. You know, it was it was getting pretty old for me because you you draw them, you then have to spend hours. I mean, depend. I mean, some of these sequences were massive. I've done like sequences that are like two hundred pages long, and then you'll sit there and you'll scan it in, and then you take it into Photoshop, and then you oh, you know you 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 level it, which is basically getting the blacks and whites and everything so that it looks all nice, and then you'll drop a layer of tone over the top of it, and then any lighting effects that it needs and stuff like that. Um, it is just, and, e- and even if you're not really doing much as far as shading or tone or anything goes, you've still got to spend hours scanning it in, and then sometimes you'll get that that occasional evil JPEG that just won't show up in a PDF and stuff like that. It's just it was, I was getting so fed up with it so and, and also my, my, my Cintiq was very old I had a 12WX which came out about, it was about 2007 or 8 or something like that okay. um, so I was I was needing um, I was needing a new Cintiq and I had an iPad 2 and I was starting to actually I was actually doing a lot of stuff on an iPad 2 like um, for for designs of props and stuff like that an awful lot would start off on the iPad um, even though it was getting kind of old by then um, so then when the iPad Pro uh, was announced I was like you know, okay right let's try this let me try this so uh, when I got it um, you couldn't get the Apple Pencil they, they were really really hard to get so I'm sitting there with this thing and I'm going this is just a huge iPad this is nuts how big this is but then I realised that even without the pencil, it does palm rejection. So you could actually just draw with your finger and mm-hmm. still lean on the glass and it wouldn't pick up your hand, it would pick up your finger. It's kind of amazing. So I started kind of drawing with that and then eventually I managed to get an Apple pencil about maybe about four or five, four weeks, maybe three, four weeks after that. Shoot By sheer luck, I managed to find a shop that had one. And then as soon as I started drawing with it, I was like, all right, okay, right, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I get this now. Right, okay. <laughs> So um, I think the first thing I did was on it was a it was an episode of The Strain, um, the TV show, mm-hmm. and uh, I was still kind of trying to work out a workflow and how to do things on it. And when I I, I, I think I, I think I did, I did some stuff on that that I was actually fairly happy with, but it was the fact that I could, I didn't have to scan anything anymore. I didn't have to level anything. I didn't have to do any of that. And I could just export it as a PDF into Notability, and that was it. And it was like, wow, okay. <laughs> the, 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 this the, it honestly saved me hours. And then I was at a meeting with the director, and he goes, yeah, you can change this. And I just was able to change it there on the spot and then just send right. it to him by airdrop. And I just threw it onto his uh, his his Mac, and it was like, this is incredible. So then the downsizing was my... Uh, it was my big experiment. I could could I do an entire movie on an iPad Pro? Could I storyboard that and not really use my computer? Wow! And not use Photoshop. So I used a, a Pro, Procreate. I'd been I'd had Procreate since it first came out and um, started using that. And then I realised that all the the perspective tools and all that would be incredibly helpful. So because we're downsizing, there was a lot of you know drawing stuff small and. But they were had to be you know read as proper buildings and stuff like that and things. So it was actually it was really really useful. 
So I turned up at work, I left my computer in the car and I turned up and then just had the iPad Pro with me. And that was it. That was I, I got I got the hang of it. I got to pretty quickly actually. It maybe took a spell of transition of maybe a couple of days. Uh-huh. But then I was able to work out how to do everything. And then from there I went straight on to it. Um and then from it I went straight on to Star Trek Discovery. Um and then I've I've been that's almost three and a half Actually, it is three and a half years I've been on Star Trek Discovery. But I was able to do things like uh, Carnival Row and uh, a whole bunch of other, Mandy, and a whole bunch of other stuff kind of in my, sp- I say spare time, but um, after working weekends <laughs> and stuff. So let me go back to something you mentioned earlier, because oh. I wanted to talk at the high level, because you you talked about a, a warm up and a cool down. Uh, yeah, yeah. regard to your process. Can you talk that through a little bit? Because I think for, for someone listening, I mean, I'd like to learn more about that bit and what's a warm-up and a cool-down for you. A warm-up is basically just so you're doing something to just kind of get the drawing muscles going. Like a specific exercise, or do you just... Yeah, I just, I just, I just messing around. Okay. I just mess around in a drawing-up, and um, if it turns out okay, I'll post it. Because otherwise, I've, you know, I can't, I can't really post that much of my work, so... Right. You know, just so I've got any web presence whatsoever, <laughs> I just post. <laughs> you should see some of the ones I don't post. I post most of them, though. Just Even some of the bad ones, just to teach myself a lesson. <laughs> but, yeah, it's basically, it's just warm. It's basically just getting that drawing part of your brain going. Because um, the, there's one thing that you actually find is that drawing can be hard some days. Um, it's a tricky thing to do for a lot of people and even if you're a professional artist some days it's just not happening for you but you've got to make it happen for you because it's your job you know so it's, it's like a it's like a gymnast or an athlete warming up I'm not saying I'm anywhere, you know, anywhere similar to a gymnast or an athlete but I'm warming up my muscles <laughs> So you're warming up your hand, your coordination, you're warming up your you know the, the creative part of your brain and it's and um uh, and it's nice that Procreate records all that. So you can right. actually it's it's funny when you're playing it back sometimes because you're like, what was I thinking? Because a lot of the time when I'm doing something, I'll I'll go heavily down one path just doing very quick doodles and and then you can see me just completely smear it all out and just do something else that yes. I, I notice comes out of it. But I think that is interesting because it's just exploring different oppor- opportunities. A lot a lot of drawings are an accident. Right. You know? <laughs> and then you go, all right, that kind of worked. So um So and and for the cooldown, where are you coming in with that? Are you trying to separate uh, you're trying to leave that day behind a little bit or for me it's i've spent the entire day doing something for somebody else and it's uh then it's me just kind of coming in and just trying to do something for myself okay so it's me it's me taking taking myself back <laughs> if you know right. what i mean yes absolutely because yeah it's, it's it's just that and and also sometimes it's really rotten and then you think that's good i should stop drawing now <laughs> so is there like I and when I've and it's great that you post the videos because I think that's helpful for us as kind of you know other artists watching this to be able to say you know how how am I doing it and I noticed that when you approach a piece it's very different than the way I have in the past and I've tried to kind of emulate the way you do it in that you're right. th- you're throwing down these massive kind of blobs of pixels <laughs> as yeah. opposed to yeah. starting from a sketch and filling things in and I find that really an interesting approach, right? And as you say, you can see that you you start with an image, you'll throw down some color and some rough shape, and then you'll throw something on top of it and continue on. And I, I really, 
what brushes are you using? Is there a favorite brush or brush set that you use? And um, kind of- just just a flat brush. Um, I'm, I'm just going to check right now. And I've I've got my brushes put aside, but honestly, it's just the stock the stock brushes a lot of the time. Um, let me see what I've got on here. Rob's pencils. I've got about a million variations of this one called the Ultimate Pencil Brush. Okay. I think it's Brush Up Matt is who I bought it from. It was a, it was a, a pound or a dollar or something. But um, I've, I've tried buying brushes and I always just end up using three. It's okay. as simple as that. Um, and then basically just the stock flat brush. I think I've tw- I, I tend to tweak everything a wee bit just to kind of mess around with it. I've even made some of my own brushes when I was trying to emulate my Photoshop brushes, but uh, but Procreate 5 allows you to, to import Photoshop brushes now, so that's very nice. But um, So I've got that one. I've got the yeah, just, just a stock flat brush, and I've got Max U Shader Clean. But sorry, Max, I tend to get your brushes, and I tend to fix, fix them to what I want myself, but they're a good start. <laughs> um, they are actually there, and... Uh, that, that, I think it's Brush Up Matte does really good ones. And I, yeah, you know what? I just end up... The, the the Ultimate Pencil Block's the one that I end up using quite a lot because it allows for kind of shading and stuff like that, and it actually does look like a, an, an ultimate, like a pencil. Um, the Technical Pen, just I, I tend to just use their stock ones. Um, for a lot of the, the warm-up stuff, I've started using... Um, if you go into the Luminance brushes in Procreate, the, uh, the Light Brush... I love drawing with a light brush. I love drawing on black. I love draw, you know painting with light sort of thing, just taking out highlights and being very subtle and using as few um, as, as few marks as possible. Really, yeah. I think you did. Uh, didn't you? Was it with the Linnea Sketch app that you did that? You did a piece and uh, you won yourself a pencil, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that was playing with light, I think, in that image, right? If I remember correctly. I, I, I like to do that. I like to just... Uh, Tron has obviously had a huge effect on me at some point <laughs> in my young life, but um, yeah, I, I, I love doing that. And it's basically just the, the light lighting's where it all kind of... Lighting's what interests me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even conscious. It's just me messing around. Is there a screen protector? Are you using one now on your? Um, I've got like a, a really cheap matte one okay. um, that I got off Amazon. I think it was like three for six bucks or something. Like that. Okay. Because first of all, I'm really bad at putting screen protectors on, so I always go through a few of them before I get one that is actually even halfway acceptable. I, I really do like to change them quite often anyway, so I don't see. I, I bought expensive screen protectors in the past. But I just, you know, I, 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 I always end up taking them off. They were always, um, I mean, I always felt a little bit too thick sometimes. Do you do you use one because of, of, you want the feel, no fingerprints, or do you want to protect the screen? Is there a reason? The the ones that the ones I've got on right now, they're really thin, so I don't think they would really do a lot of protecting of the screen if I was to drop it face down. Right. Um, I like the matte ones just to. Yeah, see, I never used to use them, and then I tried it once just because that was all they had in a shop, and it was like, actually, this is all right. The grip's really nice, actually. I, I always use matte ones now just because of the grip. Okay. Um, I've never tried. I've, I've seen that paper like one, and people going on about it. But yeah. to be honest, I'm sure they all get greasy from hands anyway. So like, I change, I change mine maybe every couple of months just to uh, just to kind of refresh the grip, you know. And do you find that you go like are you changing the tip on the pen or pencil often? Yeah, I do actually. I do, and then you know, I never used to. I went through the. I had the very first um, Apple pencil tip on for a long, long time, 
And I think the Apple Pencil actually broke before the tip needed replaced. Um, the, the, the glue came off. Or no, it didn't break badly. It's just the glue came off the cap. And okay. uh, they wouldn't stick anymore. Um, which we don't have now, thank goodness. Because yes. uh, and you know, The other one is fine. You've just got to be careful with the cap, that's all. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the, 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 the whole new system is much better. Um, but I do change them because sometimes you'll be drawing and then just during the line gets, it looks like a line of Morse code. Yeah, I've had I had it with mine where it would just stop for about a second as you're drawing a line, and uh, I changed yeah. the tip and it it fixed it. And I had never changed a tip before. It's it's really easy to do, and it's probably a good idea anyway. Yeah, yeah, and also if you drop it on concrete, oh boy, does that does that thing ever go flat quickly? <laughs> <laughs> like I've been going down, I've been going to set, and I'll just you know fumble and I'll drop my pencil, and it just lands, and then you have got the biggest flattest thing <laughs> right, it's plastic mind you so I suppose that's fine but yeah no, I, I, I find it's a good idea to, to do that so you're you've got access to Procreate 5 yes yes and I do how's, and so I just got on the beta like a week and a half or two weeks ago when they opened up to the public oh, cool. what's your what's your feeling on 5 and oh, the changes they made really I, re- I just got a clone brush I really like that clone, clone brushes are important when you're trying to touch up photographs the clone brush is great. The the ability to uh, import your your Photoshop brushes and for them to actually work kind of better than, than Photoshop. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> the animation thing's really good fun too. I've actually been messing around with it and mainly just to kind of see what it could do, and then realised that I've got to. I should really plan my stuff out, and the animation isn't like drawing. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, usually what I'll do is I just start messing around and see what happens. And I tried to do this uh, this animation thing, and then I thought I'll go back and put the guy's legs in later. And I just never have because it's kind of hard to go back and do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should really have done it at the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, the animation stuff. I uh, it's been a lot of fun to play with, and I you know I'm looking at it the same way where it's like I, I you know I I drew. 20 frames or something and then i realized no i if we're going to do this again i'm gonna to have to plan it differently <laughs> yeah yeah you just got I, to th- you've, you've got to think about it as i'm sure most good animators do right but i would <laughs> just get stuck in there and i was like right i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that with the guy's eyes and stuff like that and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and then because of the the way that the the frames work with the layers Mm-hmm. Um, when you have when you try and go back to fix them, it's not their fault. It's my fault. You know, what I mean, <laughs> I didn't do it properly. So if I get some time again, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right. But it's you know the thing with Procreate is it's it's not it's not just like the probably the best full function are up on the iPad or or, or on iOS. It's actually one of the best anywhere. They have done such an incredible job. Um, that's not to say that things like paper um, and uh, uh, Linear, which is two two other apps that I use a lot, um, and and there's other apps like uh, Affinity Photo. I use that too. Yes, they they all have their place, um, and they all do what they do incredibly well. Um, at Procreate for for doing storyboards for me, even if anything else came out, like for it would involve like. Uh, having to work between the the computer and the tablet and stuff like that, I would still use Procreate. It's absolutely, it's, it's revolutionary, some of the things that they've done on it, and they do it so well. 
So when you work in Procreate and you're working on a storyboard, are you doing each uh, frame or image individually and then you're compiling them in Notability? Is that how it works? Or do you um, do like a series no, of three or four? I do three. I do, I've got a template that I've made um, with uh, the, the, the correct frame for how we're shooting. Okay. Um, and what I'll do is I'll basically have that as the bottom layer. Okay. And then duplicate it an awful lot. And then basically I will just draw. It's just for speed. I mean, I, I know there's people out there that just draw individual frames and then they paste them up and compile them into uh, into other apps and into a sequence and stuff like that on other apps. Or sometimes you can do it in Procreate. It would still work. But to me, that's the equivalent of sitting spending hours of scanning and original artwork. Just draw it as it's going to end up. Right. If if you draw it as it's going to end up, and then all you need to do is select it and uh, you know export it to whatever whatever app I I, I use uh, Notability, um, and then just you know I do the let, you know the lettering on there and stuff like that. The only thing that I don't do on uh, Procreate is is letter the boards up because um, the text just keeps coming in at a default size. So which I have mentioned to them. But the thing is, I'm such a specific use case that, you know, you don't have to just keep me happy. It would be nice. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, then you just do that and then you just upload it or send it off to the director. Right. From there. But yes, it's, 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 it's a phenomenal thing. It really is. Do you think there's anything missing from Procreate um, that they should add in the future? The clone tools here. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm absolutely. I'm, all I've been asking for is a for clone tool for a couple of years now. Okay. But the the clone tool is great. It allows you. To, I mean, the liquefy the 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 you know the the, the liquefy options amazing. Yeah, I was going to ask you like those other um, filters or, or effects that you can apply. Do you use those? And I guess liquify? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Liqu- liquify is amazing, right? Don't it's it's it fixes wonky faces. Like you sometimes <laughs> if you're drawing, you know how sometimes you're drawing, you've got your head tilted a certain way. Everything will either sort of lean off to the left or lean off to the right when you look at it flat mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't have to do that anymore. You just use push and you just shove it all over to where it's meant to be. And if somebody's eyes are a wee bit too far out of the way, or you've just got something slightly asymmetrical when you were, you know, when you've just done it wrong, you can just shunt it around. So it's it's, it's so easy to fix stuff. And actually, what what I like to do is I like to do a perfectly good drawing and then mess it up. Because what you were saying is with the uh, the way that I do things um, when I'm doing my warm ups and my 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 come down um just you know, just get stuck in there you know just relax have fun mess around yeah a lot of it's going to end up terrible mm-hmm. but some of it won't and then you'll see the opportunities in a drawing or a or a painting and you'll be glad that you you, you did that it's just a matter of making a mess make make a real mess and then see what happens do you draw every day yeah yeah pretty much Pretty much. Um, well, I mean, a lot of the time it's because I have to, because I'm being paid to. But um, the, uh, the the weekends, I'll still find myself doodling. It's just because I do stuff for me, you know. So even if you go on vacation, which <laughs> it sounds like you probably don't no, get a lot of. <laughs> what's that? Do you still, do you still, <laughs> if you're um, away from your work, do you still end up doodling and drawing? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do. It's one of, it's, 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 a, it's, the the beauty of having um an entire art studio and everything in a in a wee thing that fits into your bag. Right. You know, you you can you can do that. There's no like you know, carrying 
pencil crayons or oil pastels around with you and then finding that they've fallen out in your bag and you know, your white t-shirt's all covered and stuff. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's dead easy. Um, so you don't and, use and I, traditional media I, I, anymore? Not at all. I threw, I threw out my drawing board last year. Wow. Okay. I, my entire life, since I was about 14 or 15, I've owned a drawing board. And uh, I drew all my comics on it. I drew all my stuff on it. I would pile folders on top of each other and draw all my storyboards on it and stuff. And then I realised that it was just sitting around and I hadn't used it for years. And it was uh, it's not a small thing. It was quite heavy. So, um, yeah, just I, just I just got rid of my drawing board wow. and uh, really haven't really needed it or missed it since. So when it comes to the hardware, I mean, you're such a fan of the iPad. Is there, are there things, is there anything missing from it? Like, would you like, like you've got the 12.9? Yeah, yeah. Is there, like, would you want a larger one? Is it, what physical changes? I, no, I'm actually quite happy with it. Okay. I'm actually pretty happy with it. I'm, I'm terrified to drop it. I'm terrified someone else is going to drop it is the main thing. Like when you pass it to a director, you're like, oh God, no. <laughs> please, please hold on to this. But because um, I've seen, I've seen a, a, a good few um, accidents with other people's on set and stuff like that. Even, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm actually really happy with it. I think it's um, this this latest version of it, and uh, I, I'm still kind of working out. Because the thing is, I've, I've never have time to stop and learn stuff. But I'm still kind of working out what the uh, iPad OS can do. Um, to be honest, but. What I have worked out it can do is actually pretty good. I, I no, I'm really pretty happy with it. It, it. it does everything I need it to do, and it does it better than my computer does. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, somebody asked me about you know whether for two things. One is what would I want added to Procreate, and the other is what would I ch- want changed on the iPad. And I really coming up empty on both of those. Like I think the twelve point nine Pro that was in existence before this one. Uh, so that's what the 2017 version, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I it was too much of a monstrosity for me, but I went <laughs> <laughs> the first day the iPad Pros were available, and I was thinking maybe I should get an 11 because I, I think I had a 10.5 or whatever it was uh-huh. at the time. And uh, then I saw the 12.9. It's like no, <laughs> no. Uh, it's the- not huge. It really no, isn't huge, it's but it's all screen. It's well. The thing is, right, back when I um, was starting to sort of flirt with digital artwork, a friend of mine uh, gave me a loan of these. I think it was a 24 inch Cintiq. So I had this huge big screen in front of me. Um, I had it for like a couple of days, and I'm I'm trying to do this painting, and within like five minutes, my arm was exhausted. Because you're going from it's a huge screen, going right, from right. one end up to there to like, do file, do this, do that, you know, do that, and it was like this is ridiculous. And then I saw that the Cintiq were coming. I think twelve point nine is a perfect size because mm-hmm. the the Cintiq that I used to have was twelve point eight, I think it was, and really. Yeah, unless you're doing some wild flourishes with paint or a, a line or something, that's the size of screen you really are actually drawing on. Because mm-hmm. I, I said to the, the, the guy, said, uh, you know, so how did you find it? And I said, I was only drawing in the wee bit of the screen right in front of me. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good size. I'm sure, you know, other people might find bigger's better. And for, for the most, you know, actually, here's one thing. It's not a feat. It's not a thing that I would change about it, but it's something that I would like them to do. The right, the sidecar thing on the Mac is actually, it works pretty well for me. I know some people 
have say it was a bit laggy, but for me it's always been absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you press a wee button on your uh, on your screen, and then it basically uses your iPad as a as a second screen. Yes. Yeah. So you can actually use your iPad as a drawing tablet for any apps that you have on the, the computer that you use. It works really well. I don't really use it at all. But the thing is, I've always got my, my old 2017 iPad Pro with me for a, a another screen. So I've some, you know, like I'll have like my roughs, because my, my, my laptop is basically just another screen right now that plays music to me sometimes when I draw. <laughs> when I draw. But I use that for like reference photographs, and then I'll have like my other iPad set up beside me for a, a, you know, like a, another screen would basically all have the script on it and make maybe um, some set plans and stuff like that. I'd love for the other iPad to be able to be at like a second screen to the iPad that I'm using. Yeah. So like a uh, sidecar for iPads, that's what I want. That's what I would like. That's the only thing I can think of. Because I've always thought that would be quite handy. You know, I could be able just to drag something from one into another. Yeah, I would agree with that. I ha- I've used sidecar a little bit. I find that um, it's a bit wonky on a, a corporate network for some reason. And I think right. maybe it's just because it's trying to reach out to iCloud and authenticate or whatever. Yeah. Um, but just in hearing you talk, I think one of the, the, the frustrations I have with the app, and I wouldn't say frustration, one thing I would like them to change is the face ID. Because I think it's great. Like, that's huge. But when mm-hmm. I pull out my iPad to draw, I've got my thumb on it. And I wish... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, the first, the very first time I tried to do it, yeah, that, that, that's, that's when I unbox it and I'm sitting there and I'm like, why is this not working? It's having to be shaking stuff like. It's just that I've, I've managed to train myself out of that. The very first, it's, I think it's just because you were so used to having your thumb on the iPad to unlock it before. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I tend to try and hold it now differently with my left hand. Because I, I tend to rotate it that way. I don't. I don't even think about it these days. I've kind of okay. because I mean, I'm, I'm 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 unlocking it numerous times a day. Right. Um, it's it's yeah. The muscle memory's kicked in to stop me doing that now. So maybe this is another reason why I should draw more. <laughs> so that- yeah, yeah. You just you just get used to not having your thumb over the camera. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so is there you know in all the years you've been drawing and creating this this wonderful art that you do. Is there something you wish you knew then that you know now? And I'm kind of mm. catching you off on this one, but I just want to, is there, like, if someone is starting, listening to this, is starting out and is going down a similar route, um, is there something you know now that you wish you knew back then? Um, I think it's probably more business-based than art-based. Okay. Because there is a lot of dealing with people. There is a lot of business stuff. There is a lot of, uh, um, yeah, you meet some characters. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like uh, the characters, are, I, I mean, uh, cho- some choice characters. Are um, yeah, it's just just business stuff. It's, so is it is it be, like would an artist? And I'm I'm seeing this people talking about it. This idea of of learning to be an entrepreneur, learning to run a business, is yeah. something that you have to put effort into because it's not the creative part that's pulling you forward it's not the creative part and that's a completely different side of your brain but if you want to if you want to make this your job and you want to make a living at it then people skills are a huge thing okay and being able to know when you're being taken advantage of or someone's attempting to take advantage of you mm-hmm. stand up for yourself stand, stand behind your work and but make sure your work's something that you should be standing behind you know what i mean um 
don't don't take the mickey. Be prof- you know, if you're trying to be a professional, be a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, treat it as a proper job. Um, yes, I'm sure the the reason that you think you got into art um, was so you didn't have to have a proper job, but it's a proper job. Turn up in the morning, go home at night, switch off as best you can. But you will, but that's that's going to be impossible because you'll have ideas in the middle of the night for something. Mm-hmm. I still have ideas for for jobs that I've finished. So it's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> there was a film I worked on three or four years ago and I woke up the other night and I was like oh we should have done that, that would have been better than what we did right? Okay. <laughs> but that, so, that's just annoying yeah. <laughs> so just to take that a bit further are there any dreams that you you've had, like not even real dreams but any aspirations that you've had that you haven't acted on, is there something that you want to do, maybe not a movie a specific movie, but is there something you want to try or you haven't done yet or something you want um, to explore? I want to do some more stuff for myself, and uh, I'm actually I'm kind of working slowly at getting that done. I want to. I used to make my own short films. I'd like to get back into making stuff because I do miss that. Um, I mean, I'm okay. Yes, I'm making stuff, but it's not for me. Okay. I want. I want to go in and do that. Um, I've got a couple of ideas that I'm working on with various friends and some stuff I'm doing myself. To try and actually make more and stuff. Oh, that would be exciting to see. It would be uh, yeah, it'd be good to see deeper into the into <laughs> the brain of Rob McCollum as to uh, if you had your your time, what would you do, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just I just fitting that in and amongst uh, my my very busy job and having a family and stuff. You know? That must be a challenge in balancing you know family and all the other requirements you have with uh, oh, the yeah. work that you do. Yeah, it's very hard. And the different time zones and all of that—is it? That must be a big challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not so bad on on this one because I mean, I, 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 you know, I drive to work most mornings and uh, you know work work at the studios and then come home at night. Okay. And then you're you're, you're in at night. You see the kids, you know, try and get them to bed and stuff like that. Um, go to bed because I'm up at twenty twenty to six the next morning anyway. So it's just. Uh, it's very hard to, yeah, it's, it's a real juggling act. It really is. It's very hard to do it. It's very, very hard to do. And what, what do your kids think of what uh, daddy does for a living? They're kind of blase about it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, I mean, they've grown up, most of them have grown up, they're, you know, and, and they're used to going to things where they meet movie stars and stuff like that. They just don't really, they're like, eh, you know. Um, my daughter had, uh, it was bring your kids to work day. I, th- I think they think it's kind of cool. I don't know. They, do, they certainly don't act like it's cool to me. Yeah, my kids. That's part of being a kid, do. though, right? Yeah, that's, that's part of being a kid. Um, like my daughter, she wanted to come to. She wanted to come to my work with me. So luckily, luckily, I wasn't the only person whose kid wanted to come to work with them on uh, Star Trek. So um, she gets. She got to come along and took her for a tour of the set, and she got to sit in my office. Basically, she saw the exciting day that I have when I got up really early. Um, drive, sit, drawing most of the day when I'm not running in and out of meetings. Um, but a lot of it is just sitting drawing for like twelve hours, and then I drive home. She was passing out by about five o'clock. She was just like really punchy and was falling asleep. She goes, "I don't know how you do this." And I was like, oh, "Just imagine this every single day." <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, she 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 had a great time. She got to she got to meet Doug Jones, um, who was. Uh, very nice to her, and uh, 
Yeah, she didn't tell anyone at school. We had a parent teacher meeting, uh, you know, the, the parent teacher interview night thing, mm-hmm. and it was freezing outside, so I was wearing my uh, my Star Trek crew gift that's got a, a wee badge on it from, from last year. And the teacher, we were starting to talk, and the teacher just goes, I just have to say how much I love your jacket. And I said, uh, well, did she not tell you what she did for the Bring Your Kid to Work Day? And it turns out that this uh, the teacher and her husband was a... Uh, they're, they're massive Star Trek fans, and she's been she's been, the, the teacher made a big deal of it in class in front of the whole class. And my daughter was very embarrassed, and that was good. Still managing to embarrass her when I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, kids are kids are fun. It it really does give you a different lens on uh, on your life day to day, right? So it really, it really, because that's kind of your your family's what it's all about. But it's hard it's hard to fit it in sometimes, and it's the most important part of your life because uh, jobs will come and go but your family's always there and they need you you know right and especially it's it's i think not to devalue other jobs but the uh when you're working in something creatively or a job that's passionate right um mm-hmm. that it is it, it's really hard sometimes to pull yourself away from that and, uh, and yeah. balance your time and it's, it's a very time-consuming job as well um mm-hmm. It's, you know, because the, the, the amount of work that you've got, it's a very time-consuming job because it's not just, it's not just drawing. Um, you've got to know, you know, you, you're, you're telling the story. You've got to know how many VFX shots there are. You get to know the script so well that, that you know, that, you, you, that you're going to have to include everything. Um, you've got to have an idea about how it's going to be filmed. You've got to know what the actors look like. You've got to kind of know what they're wearing, although you can kind of fudge that if you if you, if you if they haven't got a costume yet. You've got to know what the sets are like. You've got to know what walls can be removed from what set to make the the crane come in. So you've got to have a bit of technical knowledge, and this is all stuff that you pick up. But wow. it's stuff that is all going on at the same time as you having to draw. And, and and like I say, some days drawing can be really hard. It's not happening for you, you know? And other, and other days you can be, um, these are the best days. Sometimes if you've been drawing for a very long time constantly, you'll get days where you just don't have to think about drawing. It just happens. Because um, the drawing is basically a method of communication for getting ideas or information down. Especially for what I do, because that's the pretty much the exact definition of a storyboard artist. Mm-hmm. But you get days where you every, everything just works, and those days are the best. They're so good because you'll just do stuff, and it's just like, wow, that that's fine. Okay, I don't need to fix that. You know, work first time. You know, and then let's say you'll get days where it's just awful. <laughs> <laughs> so if if the person listening right now is going to be the next, you know great storyboard artist what would you recommend to them as kind of the couple of actions to get into the industry as far as improving craft goes uh watch movies watch movies and watch how directors do what they're doing uh then see if you can find the storyboards for those movies and then compare what you saw to what was storyboarded it's very it's very informative Okay. Um, over over what you can because sometimes I'll draw stuff and then you see it and you'll realise that while they did follow the storyboards a little bit, you can also understand why they made the changes that they made. Um, 
a lot of the times, you know, it, it can be you know practicality, it can be time, it can be money. There's always reason. It's it's a compromise. Everything's a compromise, but not in the storyboards because you get to draw exactly what the director wants, right? And you get to the 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 storyboards are the the, the cheapest first version of the film that they're going to make because it's just drawings on paper, you know. Um, so watch watch movies. Um, learn to draw is a big thing. Um, keep on keep on learning to draw. Life drawing. Um, just even sitting in the sitting the street. This is what we used to do at art school. Um, they used to just send us down into Sucky Hall Street in Glasgow um, with a drawing pad and a pen just to draw people. Right. And uh, you do speed drawings, and you get you know you may end up with some really weird looking things where you're not looking at the page and you're just drawing and you're just looking at the person, but you also end up with some wonderful drawings that are that you wouldn't believe you'd managed to do by not looking at the paper. Um, so just keep drawing because unless you can actually you know convey the information of a human being walking down a specific set, then then you're really not doing as much as you could be doing you know yeah yeah i think uh i mean even for the you know i I talk about homework all the time and i think that's that's a great approach because then you've got uh you know opportunities for the the budding kind of storyboard artists but uh, you're right i mean it really does come down to drawing more right yeah yeah and uh i mean the, the other thing is i mean there's like i say so you've got you've you've got that but then you get the business side of it so start off doing short films um, for people, there's I, I don't know if Mandy.com is still going, but they were a place that where it was like kind of a filmmaking network community. There's bound to be stuff like that, but people are always looking for folk to work on short films um, for free, and you are going to be working for free to begin with. Yeah, and then try and change that quite quickly. But you are going to be it's the best way to get experience on that. So you get not only get something to show, but you've got a wee bit of understanding on how things work. Awesome. And and do so, and as far as homework goes, read filmmaking books, learn how directors tell stories. Yeah, it's um I would even throw in and I've started doing this with my my daughters are uh, you know in their uh, mid and late teens um is to uh, watch a movie then watch it with the director's commentary. Yeah, sometimes that's good. Other times it's really annoying. It, I, I agree. Because <laughs> you've got a director just talking about what jumper, you know, I was wearing my green sweater that day. Well, I don't need to know that. <laughs> that's right. Don't do it unless you're going to be doing, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it can, it, can be, it can be fascinating, especially when you learn why they did certain things. Yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of the time, so we did that because it was raining that day and stuff, because they, they, they were booked to go to a location. And uh, they had no choice. So yeah, it's it's always an interesting way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, there's numerous books out there with storyboards. Um, yeah, in- including some of your work as well. And uh, that's always exciting for me. That's always exciting is getting my stuff in a book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but uh, and and you know, and you've got you have the internet these days. It used to be that you had to just so well, you know, some of the very first storyboards I ever saw were Mike Plug's storyboards for The Thing, for John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the very first... I think I've seen some Star Wars ones, but I just never registered. I just thought it was a drawing. But then um, I saw Mike Plug's storyboards for The Thing in an old horror magazine, um, old movie magazine. I think it was... What was it called? I can't remember, but it had E.T. on the front cover. Um, and uh, so it was a show, you know, shows about the time. 
I mean, that was the first time I ever became aware of storyboards and the fact that they could actually be drawn as, as beautifully as Mike Plug draws storyboards. Mike Plug uh, used to draw comics. He did, I think it was Werewolf by Night and I think Planet of the Apes. I'm not sure. Apologies if I'm wrong there. But he went on to storyboard um, a lot of stuff like uh, The Thing and Little Shop of Horrors and I think The Dark Crystal, maybe. He's a great and amazing artist. Um, so years later, when I got to actually work on The Thing, the, the Thing prequel, I was mm-hmm. like, oh God, this is... No, no, no pressure, but I'm comparing everything I do to Night Plug storyboards here. Right. <laughs> it's probably, uh, yeah, it's... Uh... It's 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 great to be a, a fanboy working on on something tight. Uh, it kind of helps sometimes, and other times it's uh, uh, other times you just go out, go do a job, right. do my job. That's it. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much, Rob. For oh, it's been nice. It's been nice chatting to you. Yeah, it's uh, I've learned so much, and uh, your perspective is so unique, and uh, the work that you've done has been amazing. And if people want to. Find out more about you. Um, where can they find you online? Um, check out my Instagram. It's uh, Rob underscore McCallum, M-C-C-A-L-L-U-M. And uh, that's where I tend to post uh, most of my stuff. I've got There's a Rob McCallum art Instagram that I really should decide what I'm doing with because, <laughs> because I've just been posting all my stuff on, on the Rob, Rob underscore McCallum one. And I've also got a website, mccallumart.com. Also, I think robmccallumart.com will take you to the same place. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks again for coming on. I This has been great. For anyone listening as well, I'm going to put all the links to uh, Rob's contact information and a bunch of things we talked about in the show notes as well. So uh, be sure to check those out. And thanks again, Rob. Uh, I've... This is, I've been looking forward to this for, for a few months, and uh, thank you so much for making the time in your busy schedule. Glad I managed to finally fit it in because I, I do enjoy these things. <laughs> but uh, no, it was fun. It was fun. Thank you. Show notes, including links to everything Rob and I discussed, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 16. You can find links to all my social media accounts at drawinginspiration.fm, including my Instagram, which is Mike underscore Henley, where I post all my art. Follow me or tag me so I can see what you've created recently. Until next time. Be kind to one another and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.